This is a talk by Andrea titled Basic Awareness Meditation, a Guided Meditation, recorded March 12, 2000, at the Center for Sacred Sciences in Eugene, Oregon. The truth is, we think we exist. We feel we exist. We've been conditioned to self and re-self and re-self ourselves again and again and again. So to simply sit and hear the, the teaching, you don't exist, it doesn't actually give us an accessible entry into the direct experience of emptiness, which is why we need to practice. The very practice of practice or the practice of meditation is the recognition of that truth, is the revelation of selflessness. A couple of weeks ago, I gave out this um, handout, and if, if anyone here is interested who doesn't have it, please take one before you leave. And it's awareness meditation. And it's a little talking about that, and then the last two pages are a meditation. The meditation that, that we'll actually be uh, taping today is a shortened or more concise version of this one. But what is good about it is that this one is making repeated, I guess one way you could say, affirming um, a movement or a way of directing awareness, your attention in awareness that can lead us into a direct, immediate knowing of truth. And that knowing would be beyond a sense of self and other, or me and you, or I and the world. So in order to arrive at that understanding, we have to investigate what is it that is preventing us from being there. Why, why aren't we simply there? If that is the nature of truth, why is it that we're not there? What, what's our problem? And different traditions will offer you perhaps different ways of investigating and also different systems or ways of organizing um, delusion for you so you could see step by step, oh, this is a delusion and oh, this is another one I'm assuming and not thinking and this is another one and this is another one. Well, the model that I'm using is the Buddhist approach. And one of the systems that the Buddhist teachers use to delineate the way the deluded mind works is to talk about the skandhas. These are how we experience the self. If we say, what is the self? Well, that's a hard thing to actually point to, but if we say how and where, we can actually go there. So the, the five ways we experience a quote-unquote self is first by form, perception, feeling, mental constructions, and consciousness. And I'm going to very, very briefly just, just, just express these a little bit because the reason why we don't know the reality is because we have a vague sense of self. It is, in fact, that vague sense of self that has to be sacrificed. It is that ignorance that has to be um, revealed in the light of wisdom. And so the way to do that is to, is to direct our attention in every moment where we are selfing or creating ourselves. So we are assuming these things and not investigating how am I actually recreating this over and over again in every moment? So that's the first assumption. The mystic says that there is, there is something there that, that the mind is creating that's maintaining a sense of delusion. So let's, let's, let's look into that. So the first, one of the first ways we think we exist, we identify with, we think that we have a body and we are sitting here and and this is me. 
Well, if you go to analyze that, that's a kind of vague identification. It's a little bit cloudy, but nevertheless, we, we believe it. But then, when we go a little deeper and we start questioning each other, which we can all do, we can just say, well, where is this body? Show me, show me your body. Where does your body begin? Um, and if you're your body and I cut off your, your ring finger, would you, still, would you still say that you have a body? So in other words, the question or the investigation is, this thing that you think you are, tell me exactly what this thing is. So the investigator starts to look piece by piece and says, where does it begin and where does it end? And of course, this is where we have to take in our, um, our understanding of science and where quantum physics is bringing us. The deeper and deeper we go looking for something, we keep breaking it down into its parts. Is the body my arm or is it two arms? Is it one head? Is it a nose? If I have surgery on my nose, is that still a body? What, is it all of its parts? Is it some of its parts? Is it just one part of its parts? And where do you go? So we go deeper and deeper into every cell, and we find that we can keep going infinitely in to find the smallest, I can't even say the word particle anymore, and we can go infinitely out to say, well, where does this body end? If you're in my vision and I'm seeing you with my eyes, does my body end with you or does it end where I can't see any further? There's a lot of investigating if you think you're your body. The second way we have a vague sense of identification with existing is by thinking that we are our perceptions. And the way perception is being defined here is that it's that instantaneous recognition when you perceive something, meaning if you're itchy and you know you're itchy, and just before you go to scratch, you recognize an itch. That's a perception. If you see the color red, you see it, and, and within a split second, there's the recognition of it as red. So perception is a functioning of the... Uh, direct experience and associated ideas about it. Now you can say that feelings, perceptions, and mental constructions are really all thought, and that's very true. But we make a distinction here so we can have a deeper understanding of how they function a little differently. So if you say you're, I'm, I'm my perceptions, and then we start to ask, well, what are your perceptions? And you find that all your perceptions are dependent on causes and conditions arising and dissolving in awareness. And so your existence depends on those perceptions. If you don't have perceptions, do you cease existing in this vague sense of how you feel you exist? So if you carry analysis on the perception, you'll see that, oh, perceptions are going on too, and that's not who I am. So we did, we did body, then we do perception. The next thing is feelings. In every moment of being, quote, conscious, you're either uh, liking something, disliking something, or being indifferent. And that is always going on. And so when we begin to define ourselves based on this standard, the more we look, you begin to recognize that you had a feeling a positive feeling about something one day and five days later it turned into a negative one and well you couldn't be that because that too is changing all the time okay so the sense of I is is uh, connected there and then we get to mental constructions and how many people think that they can be associated very closely associated with their personality and what is personality but mental construction of what, how we experience ourselves, who we think we are? Ideas and thoughts and constructions of our mind put together to give us another sense of self. And like all the others, if we go and break the thoughts up, we find that they are completely dependent on a previous thought we've had about ourselves. None of them can possibly stand alone. And so the closer and in more detail and with more precision, we look and analyze who is this self? Where is this self? How is this self? What is the experience of selfing that's going on and on and on? 
And then the last one is consciousness itself. The state of being alive and being aware. Well, we do think that there is a subject and that there is an object and that we are aware of it. Well, the mystics will all say there is only awareness. And that awareness that's rising as an object and that awareness that's rising as a, quote, subject, which is the way the dual mind of thinking I vaguely exist sees the world is not the way it is. That what is arising and what sees the arising are not different. There is only the play of awareness. Now, it is very important to have, especially for us, Westerners, to have an intellectual understanding of this, which is why we read, which is why we study and investigate the different teachers and the different ways they're attempting to state this for us. So the theoretical knowledge and the theoretical janana approach of investigation is very, very important. And then we have to practice and integrate that mental and intellectual theoretical understanding into direct experience. The direct experience then will give us the spacious, clear, open, transparent, brilliant being that is vast awareness itself. And that will then recognize itself and there's no more you, and there's no more other. There is simply awareness aware of itself. One of the ways we approach our practice of meditation is the development of two wings of the bird, as they say. In order for a bird to fly, it needs to have two wings. And one of them is the shamatha, or development of single-pointed concentration, so that when you take this mind and point it to the investigation of the selflessness, even point it, not even with thought, just point it directly to that place of turning awareness in on itself. That very capacity to do that can only occur because single-pointed concentration or single-pointed awareness has been developed. There's been a focus in attention the distracted mind that jumps all over the place is staying in a stillness, in a, in a revelation, a moment-to-moment -moment revelation, and that is developing immense concentration. Then that wing is then balanced by this other vipassana or insight meditation, which is clearly seeing what is happening now, now, now. And what it will see is wherever I think I exist, right there, it will look at that. Now, the more advanced we become in this investigation, the more we are dancing with our delusion of who we think we are. Because it is a dance. If it isn't a dance, you're probably not going to be doing it because it's not fun. And that's just the way it is. The, we have to have some fun doing what we're doing. Otherwise, do you notice you don't, you don't make, make a point of doing things that are really distasteful. So one of the ways you continue to do meditation is for that meditation itself to be a practice that brings you deeper into a joyful sense of being and into a joyful sense of investigation. So... One of the things that we're going to do in every moment is investigate right here what's happening. Now, Pema Chodron and Choygum Trungpa Rinpoche make a very important, I think, a very important point about there is a living memory, or what we might call commitment or discipline, that actually vows awareness. You literally make a commitment to spiritual practice. 
you vow to be aware. And that vow to be aware is a living memory. It's a memory that continues to live in every moment of awareness. It arises and arises and arises. And lo and behold, the way we remember is in the midst of resistance or a very intense emotion or a thought that is very disturbing. That very resistance becomes a stepping stone as soon as you become aware of an intensity or a difficulty or a jerkiness or something that's disturbing, right there is the memory of the vow of awareness. And at that moment, you simply fall into the center of your being or step into pure awareness and let go of any idea about what you think is happening. It's to abide in the presence of your awareness that is right there, in the feeling, in the experience, in the emotion, in whatever it is, in the sense of solidity. It's to take what we call as objective experience, something that exists, and right there, being with that. Being so with awareness itself and learning how to accommodate and open our hearts deeper and deeper and wider and wider so that there's no longer a separation between what we imagine to be there and the one who is imagining it. So this living memory or this commitment or this openness that remembers itself is a vow that we have to take constantly. We have to remember what we're doing. We have to vow to be aware. We have to vow to be awake. Otherwise, we're sleeping. And our conditioning that goes on and on and on and on, selfing, 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 will go on and on and on and on, except for this vow to awaken. So what meditation is guiding us into is a direct moment-to-moment investigation of what our experience is. And to the degree to which we can expose, and we expose not by thinking what it is, but we expose by actually experiencing what it is, we expose the many myriad of ways that we continue to recreate our experience of self and other. And an example of how that occurs is when something arises in the mind stream and one feels it And it's a habitual tendency if anger arises to react in a particular way or you see a person and you think you know who they are and your tendency is to begin to talk to them as if you know who they are. Right at that very moment, you become aware of this. That, oh, there's so many assumptions right here. You're simply looking at every moment in awareness. You're looking so deeply aware that you then drop that. You then simply right there, simply remain aware of the awareness itself without all those thoughts in it. Now, how do you do that? You don't do that by pushing those (coughs) thoughts away. You cannot force that, nor can you force an openness or brilliance of being. You simply become aware of it. You become so precisely aware of every moment in your experience. And at the same time, you are developing an open, spacious, relaxed, accommodating way of being so that you don't have to reject anything. You're not grabbing onto anything because your vow of awareness. And you're not indifferent to anything because it's all because of your vow of awareness. So whatever is coming up, attention is there for it. 
Now this is something that you can't do with a grasping um, attitude. That very attitude itself um, just contradicts the entire process. So what we attempt to do in meditation is to awaken a relaxed, open, expansive way of being. So that all the ideas, all the ways we self, continue to dissolve. And we are not stopped by any of our thoughts or our habitual ways of seeing the world or ourselves. They simply arise. We recognize the arisal. We remain presently aware. We remain the presence of awareness. I like to say presence of awareness because to say present, the mind says present. It's somewhere. It's a thing. It isn't. It's a constantly flowing capacity or accommodation or openness or willingness to be with whatever arises in consciousness. The practice of meditation is enlightenment, which is a great opportunity here to put in a Zen joke. There's a a student who's going first, a Zen master who's going second, and another student, and they're walking up the hill like this. And it's very difficult, and the student turns around to his teacher and says, Master, Master, where are we going? And the master says, This is an opportunity to inform you there is nowhere to go. And the student behind the master says, This is an opportunity to ask you, when will we get there? (laughs) (laughs) So, on the one hand, there's the attachment to this vague sense of self, so we might say that's, that's place. When you know who you are, you know where you are. <laughs> On the other hand, the other attachment we have is to the sense of time. <laughs> so we're attempting to play and open and um, to let all these assumptions kind of dance around in an awareness that we will maintain as open, clear, alert, and present throughout whatever arises, whatever is there, and whatever dissolves. The reason why the attempt to silence thoughts is brought up by teachers and also serves to be a major um, point of confusion with students is that people actually grasp onto the idea we're not supposed to think. Well, we all know that that's not true. Thinking happens. Thinking is something that happens. The point is, when we're thinking, we are aware of thinking. The value of having thoughts cease is, when there is no thoughts, Yet there is clear, open awareness and brilliance of being or knowing the recognition of self, true self, reveals itself. It's our thoughts that distract us from the truth of our being. So the idea about not getting involved in thoughts is to keep coming home to the awareness in which thought arises, sustains for a period, changes, and dissolves. And to stay in that home, or to change the reference point, more to being the ground of awareness in which all things are coming and going. So that our awareness is completely permeating any thought that's, that's being had, Any sensation that's being had is completely filled with our awareness. There's no break in the awareness. The awareness is a continual expression that flows in sensation and thoughts and any phenomena we could possibly imagine. 
So, um, we're now going to do a meditation that'll be about 20 minutes, maybe. <clears throat> so just get comfortable. It is good when you sit to sit with you, a good alignment so that you're not bent forward or sideways. And that's really very valuable because the thoughts and the energy are very much connected. And if you can be alert but relaxed with your body, it's a good foundation for being alert and relaxed with your awareness. We recommend here that um, we meditate with the eyes partially opened. Uh, somewhere maybe within four feet range, just from the tip of the nose down, so that the eyes are open, there is an awareness of the environment, but it's not a grand awareness where anyone's focusing on anything. It's simply awareness of light, and we relax with the eyes open. So you can, um, you can just relax the eyelids and keep them open slightly. And it's also helpful if you find yourself being sleepy to open, pick your eyes up and have your eyes go up there so your eyes get lots of light and that will stimulate you to stay awake. So what you do is you open your eyes very brightly and that, that helps sometimes. Okay. Oh, I just want to let you know so you don't get annoyed. <laughs> I'm not going to talk forever, but I am going to talk for maybe a minute or two and then leave a, a few moments, a few minutes of silence. And then we'll have another. Breathe naturally and let breath flow as it will. Let awareness of breathing fill all of your attention. Allow your attention to rest in the movement of breathing. Let attention and breathing be together in awareness. Let breath and awareness be together.
the mind wanders into a thought or into attention on another kind of sensation, very simply just notice that and return the attention to the breath. If a thought arises, simply allow attention to be vigilant. And rather than getting caught up in a thought, simply, gently return attention to breathing. If you awake to having been caught in a thought, do not fixate attention there in the past, in regret, yet gently and simply, immediately, return attention to flowing with the breath. Without looking back with thought or judgment, without expectation, without hope or fear, simply maintain an open, relaxed, alert, and clear awareness. Simply breathing, expect nothing, regret nothing, cling to nothing, reject nothing, manipulate nothing. Without reaching back, without jumping ahead, and without changing anything now, Abide in the fluid, flowing presence of awareness that continues. Remain flowing presence of awareness, like Teflon, not Velcro.
Sense the sweetness of letting go into the flowing breath with close, precise caring. Sense the inhalation becoming exhalation. Feel this spacious turning point where the breathing in becomes breathing out, becoming breathing in to breathing out. Breathing out, remain present for the dissolution of your breath into the spaciousness of the room. Allow any phenomena of thought or sensation to arise in awareness and have attention be there and remaining relaxed and open, simply let it dissolve. And there where all phenomena vanish, find breath once again and let attention flow with it. Allow attention to flow continuously with the impermanent, changing nature of all phenomena of thought or sensation arising and dissolving. without grasping or pushing away, whatever phenomena of thought or feeling may arise, simply let attention flow with it to dissolution.
free of fixation, of grasping or manipulation. All phenomena simply arise and pass away while awareness remains clear, open, relaxed, and presence through all coming and going. One of the ways that the vague sense of self can continue to maintain itself is by having deep experiences of spaciousness in meditation where the open, clear, unobstructed, spacious, way of vast being frightens us so much because there is a fear of sanity, a mind that has been busy selfing, 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 selfing will oftentimes be afraid of the sanity that that spacious presence of awareness is conveying. And the way that's experienced is boredom. It's the direct experience in the meditation of of having a kind of boredom where there is awareness without the necessarily familiar content that we ordinarily experience. So to deepen and deepen the practice of meditation is to become precisely present for boredom. Not just when we're sitting, but in the course of the entire day and night. Some practitioners are bored with their dreams. So this living memory or commitment or vow to awareness brings us deeper and deeper into a precise, caring, being with, paying close attention to the subtleties arising in awareness in the mind stream of being. And without making any judgment, without making um, clinging happen or rejection happen, become more and more aware of the indifference or the fear and 
the more we practice, the more the selfing process that goes on is going to break apart. And the way it will break apart progressively is it's going to (coughs) throw things up to awareness or consciousness that are extreme. They may appear to be jolts, things that don't make sense. Becoming aware of parts of yourself or having emotional upheaval because the the shell is cracking. And oftentimes here is the the place where this (coughs) remembrance, this living memory of commitment to being aware is is deepened because it's right there as material is coming to the surface that you need to remain relaxed, open, and spaciously aware. This is where many of us succumb to the habitual tendency to drive away thoughts with additional thoughts. And there's another Zen joke that says, the student says, Master, Master, thinking that he's really attained some kind of clarity here. Master, Master, my thoughts are driving my thoughts away. (laughs) And the Master says, sounds like it's time for your beating. So we can't be fooled, or we can be fooled, but at least be aware of it. The more subtle and the more sublime our investigation becomes, the more we have to really be presence of awareness. And the more trained, hopefully, we have become in this shamatha, or single-pointed focus or concentration, which is on awareness itself. In this meditation, actually, it's a little sneaky way to practice both concentration and insight into what's happening. Because when we focus awareness, focus attention in awareness on the breathing, we are creating a structure for the awareness to be. Pema Chodron and Chogam Trungpa both make this suggestion. And it, <clears throat> in looking at it, I realize that that's very much what seems to go on naturally. Even when you sit to do this meditation, do not fixate on thinking that you have to have 100% attention on breathing. Let it be like 25 or 50%. Let 25% be on just feeling open and relaxed and, and in the body of awareness. Uh, let some of the attention be present for the arising of thought or sensation or discomfort or whatever phenomena will erupt in the stream of awareness. What this tends to do, and he actually, in in this book, The Path is the Goal, gives an example that this is something like going to the movies. We go to the movies, and we're, you know, completely absorbed in seeing the movie, yet at the same time, we're eating popcorn and really enjoying it, and we're drinking, and oftentimes we're aware of the person we're with, so there's things going on, but there's still a deepening of concentration. And that's kind of what we're doing here. So when attention is on the breath, it's also present for the environment so that whatever arises in in the mental um, capacity or the sensational capacity, you have attention there too. So that's how you know something has occurred. You're right there. 
Does anyone have any questions about the meditation we did? Yes. With my infantile state, um, my sense of awareness of my breath feels and is experienced as a thought. I'm watching my breath, I'm hearing that, I'm feeling it, I'm going, oh, it's going up and down. There are thoughts about my breath. And I mistakenly think, well, that's awareness of my breath, but they are just, they are thoughts rather than awareness and attention. Or is what you're saying that awareness and attention really is like thoughts or is thought, at least initially, can you talk about that? Sure. You what I'm Have you ever meditated before? I did years ago for a long time, and then I stopped in the last three or four. And years ago, else. what kind of meditation were you doing? Oh, I made it my own. <laughs> no, I, I did focus on my breath, but my imagination would take me away, and I got caught up in those sort of like... Um, awake dreams and I got so I and I would just keep bringing myself back to the breath okay so when you focused on your breath then what did you focus on I just uh it coming in and out my my movements of my body going up and down when the breath okay came in. so now can you all can you have access to that that's what I was just doing just now all of that feels like thought to me so there that's where I'm the thought that it's a thought is just a thought. Don't let that stop you. <laughs> that's Simply, what I was also doing, just saying, oh, these are thoughts see, that's, about breathing. You could do that. The, th the mind will always find something to, to throw a wrench in there, and if you take it seriously, then it's going to be a problem. It's just another thought that it's just thought. So, that's my thought. <laughs> <laughs> you, go back, you go back to your breathing. You're breathing. Breathing in. How many people can sense and be with the turning point where inhalation becomes exhalation? How can you can I see? How does that feel to do that? It kind of gives you a sense of motion and at the same time the spaciousness in which motion is taking place, right? Without putting an expectation on the, breathe, the breath meditation, just kind of suggest to yourself, and you can do this during the day when you're waiting online, you know, for, to buy something. Just get into your breathing. And as you breathe out, simply remain aware until you breathe in again. And just... If, you know, if you're going to space out, let yourself space out some other time. Don't space out where it coming in is becoming going out. And going out is becoming, uh, going out is becoming coming in. Because my sense of a really good method to develop precision is to do it right here. Because it is so precise where the exhalation becomes inhalation that awareness has to be so it's so subtle there that to be awake and alert and clearly open to the subtlety of that is a training it's really training you to be very present for very subtle and sublime quote unquote semi-conscious or unconscious automatic things going on in awareness. It's a really good place to develop precision. And at the, same, at, at the same time, not get fixated, because what you're placing awareness on is a changing, moving, impermanent, ceaselessly becoming aspect of the attention. Any other questions? Well, I can say that your comment on uh, committing to awareness, there's something I kept in mind. And when the thoughts would start to take me away, I would remember that. 
and it would immediately bring me back into focus uh, on the breath. That was very helpful. And it also um, sets the tone, which is so wonderful if we could practice even just for five minutes before we begin our day, our ritual of the day. That living memory or that remembrance then to do that sets up what we're doing the rest of the day because what we're doing in our Tonglin meditation is we are using the quote-unquote difficult emotions like anger and fear and greed and jealousy and those are the times that's our key to step into open awareness right in the midst of that. So our likelihood of being immediately present for the arising of that will be very much enforced or supported by our remembering to do that when we're sitting. Because the sitting practice is simply the source of training for the waking post-meditation practice that never ceases. And ultimately, the realization is that there is no more practice because there is no more lack of awareness. Awareness and attention with whatever's arising is constantly being revealed. So it's really important to commit, to vow, to make your sacred commitment to awareness. Um, Chaitam Trungpa describes the very process of devotion and love as the capacity to remain aware of non-existing. To stay there with the precision and openness in awareness. And to remain there, that itself is devotion. That is love. That is the sacred act. That is the prayer. Just uh, apropos of what you just said, this was a Buddhist meditation, and uh, Andrea used Buddhist terms, particularly the Buddhist term for the ultimate, which is emptiness. But for those of you who have a different background, particularly Christian, or uh, Sufi, they're very close in many ways in terms of the practice, it's really the same practice as the Jesus prayer, which on your, uh, or, or you do as a formal practice, you repeat uh, a prayer or a mantra, or what the Sufis call zikr, a little a fra- a phrase, over and over with this kind of concentration, you have to do it with attention, and you allow thoughts and everything else to arise and pass and you just um, focus on this and it's a way of as they call it remembering in fact zikr means remembrance it's remembrance of god remembrance of god and it's it's uh training your mind to remember the divine and not be carried off by your own selfing thoughts and ultimately, you bring that trained mind into your everyday life, and the idea is to then remember the presence of God all day long. Theophane, the recluse, the great Christian mystic, says, you know, you could drop everything else. It all boils down to always walking in the presence of God. And then, the, of course, what is God here? God for mystics is not some big daddy in the sky. It is that deepest ground of your own being. That presence that is always there is never absent. But we overlook it all the time because we're so caught up in our own thoughts and our own uh, conditioning and what we want and so forth. So really it's very interesting. Uh, the practice, the principles of the practice are exactly the same. And you come to a point where you see that everything arising is arising out of this divine ground and is a manifestation of the divine. So Theophane, the recluse, talks about, oh, when someone comes into the room, you don't just see them as another person, you see them as an ambassador from God. And you respond to them that way. 
And so now you respond to them with love and compassion and so forth. Uh, same thing is true, by the way, the Hindu tradition. This is the whole business of seeing the divine in another person, coming to see, oh, this isn't just a human being. That, that's the form aspect. But deeper than that, what are they? A manifestation of the divine. So uh, I mention this just because at the center we don't exclusively teach one tradition or another. And I personally like the Buddhist uh, approach to meditation, particularly in the beginning. And it's an excellent foundation, even if you're going to uh, go on and do a Christian practice or a Sufi practice or whatever. Uh, but the, the Buddhist approach tends to be quite analytical. So you have a sense, you know what you're doing as you're going through it. But it's no different from a mystic's point of view of what prayer is about in any tradition. It's training the mind to be single-pointed, to discovering the presence of God so you're not distracted by your own thoughts, and then to be constantly in that presence until finally you see what Meister Eckhart saw when he said, you know, a lot of people think they're going to see God face to face, but it's not true. God and I, we are one. And that's the end of the subject-object uh, delusion vanishes. And so just I just wanted to put that caveat in there. <laughs> and very good. And just before you get there, to God and I are one, there's, is it Lali Shwari who says, the very sight of my eyes is service. Rabia. The very sight of my eyes is service at your feet. The very sound of my ears, the very thoughts of thinking, the very sensation, where there is no more... Um, non-practicing. It is just uninterrupted practice where the very act of awareness is the prayer. And that offering to God uh, simply melts into um, God and I are one. Because awareness is completely aware of itself. When in meditation when uh, it seems like there are times when there's a couple of seconds between thoughts or being caught by anything or even when there's anything really on the screen except just what's there um what's happening then is there any way of talking about what i mean what am i besides my perceptions what am i or what is, whoever this is. Keep looking. Excellent. You know, um, no, no, you're on the right track. You see, now the mind wants to know what's happening. Yeah. yeah. The mind wants to fill in the blanks. And the whole point of this meditation is the Be mind there. doesn't fill Don't in fill the blanks. That's so right. just to know that you're on, keep looking. Yes, nothing's going wrong, everything's right. Be in the gaps. It ain't broke, don't fix it. Be in the gaps and don't call them anything or try and figure out what they are. Okay. Simply abide there. And just, just I must say this, that um, someone asked, in the absence of thought, in the absence of phenomena, when the mind is quieted there, when I turn awareness back in on itself and saying, who's, who's here? Who's aware of this? I look, and I cannot find anyone. And so the teacher says, Oh, isn't that interesting? Found anything yet? <laughs> Found anything yet? And every time he sees that student, Found anything yet? Found anything. Be there. Okay, if there's no more questions, let us bring the formal part of the morning. <laughs> and everyone is invited. Um, today is the 50th birthday. <laughs> it's Clavon's 50th birthday. And we have a, a little birthday cake for her. So please stay and celebrate with us. Thank you for coming. Thank you.